It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Two moms looking for inspiration wherever wherever we we can can find it. it. Hello, and welcome to episode 118 of the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. I'm Teresa, and I'm here with my co-host... Hi, it's Colleen. (laughs) During our last episode, Colleen mentioned how much she loved the movie Hidden Figures. Much to my chagrin, I had to say I hadn't seen it. But thanks to Colleen's recommendation, my husband and I watched it and absolutely loved the movie, even though it made us angry about how blacks were treated. Absolutely. Told me it would. Yep. So Colleen and I are going to talk about these brilliant women whose story is told in Hidden Figures, and then Colleen's going to talk a bit about Ree Drummond. Who runs the Pioneer Woman website. Correct. I'm so excited to learn about her because I don't know much. She's darling. And then I'm going to talk about some dog stuff. So get ready to have some fun, learn a bit, and find that inspiration. So today I'm going to talk about Reed Drummond. And the reason, actually, Teresa asked me to talk about her because I do love cooking and I do end up talking about Re or the Pioneer Woman a lot. Well, um, and you're good at cooking and you have all these great recipes that I asked where they came from and often they are from the Pioneer Woman. Pioneer Woman. So that is one thing I've actually discovered about myself. I, I think five years, if you would have asked me, do you like cooking? I would have kind of said, do I? I don't know. <laughs> Too stressful. Too yeah, stressful. yeah. Uh, But I actually really do like cooking, and I find that at the end of the day, I really do like chopping, Mm. and it's something that comes easy to me, and so I don't feel like it takes a lot of brain power for me to cook. Yeah, you can just kind of zone out. Right, right. I usually have the iPad going with something good to watch, but... I I don't exactly remember when I discovered Reed Drummond. I did look back at the first cookbook of hers that I bought, and it it is her oldest one, and it was from 2009. Oh. And I think, I don't even know if it's in print anymore on Amazon. But it's that old. (laughs) So old. She she originally started her blog around Mm -hmm. that time, probably Mm -hmm. even sooner, and it really caught on quickly. So, Ree calls herself an accidental country girl. She says she was living in Los Angeles. Okay, that surprises me. That's why probably, yeah. yeah. Well, she had lived in Oklahoma. Okay. Had moved to Los Angeles. She was a vegetarian. Mm. She calls herself a city girl who liked her landscaped lawns, pedicures, and takeout food. (laughs) And she was going to move to Chicago Mm -hmm. and came to meet some friends back in her hometown at a dive bar, she says. And while she was there, she met a local cattle rancher named Lad Drummond. I can guess where this goes. Yes. Because her name's Drummond. Yes. Before she knew it, she canceled her Chicago trip and married Lad. Oh. And she said she And whirlwind. That must have been rather quick. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And she notes, once married and living in the country, it was a rude awakening to find out that cowboys don't eat ahi tuna. (laughs) Ginger sesame noodles or sushi. Now, remember, she said she was a vegetarian and she married a cattle rancher. I just want to point that out again. She said, cowboys eat meat, lots of meat, with an occasional potato thrown in for balance. (laughs) Starch and meat. She said she spent a month mourning her old life and then decided if you can't beat them, join them. 
She sought out to make delicious food, food that would tickle her cooking fancy, but would still make the cowboy's hearts go pitter-pat. What did she do for a living before? You know, I don't really know what she was going to school for. Mm -hmm. I do know that she had danced ballet, which I I found that was interesting, too. I have two ballerinas at my house, or I did. So part of this cooking food, and you know, that's really, too, when blogs really started booming. Mm -hmm. And she was stuck. Her house is about five miles off the road. It is Mm -hmm. really, she always talks about how it's in the boonies. Mm -hmm. And she had four children that were small at that time. Mm -hmm. And she decided to start this blog. She actually called Lad the Marlboro Man for many years. (laughs) So she started her blog 15 years ago on a whim, she says, and it quickly evolved into the cookbooks and then a show on the Food Network that's in its 21st season. Wow. Yeah. It's actually the only thing on the Food Network that I record is her show every Saturday morning or Sunday morning. You don't have to worry Uh, about it because it's recorded. That's right. (laughs) I love it. And it's like just a half an hour. Yep. She usually cooks four different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, During COVID, her kids were her film crew. Oh, that's cute. Um, They're all pretty much grown now. Her last one, you know, left the nest. I loved watching her kids be the film crew. They were just a crack up. And it was just, it was just really fun because, of course, they love tasting the food and, yeah. and all that good and stuff. And you kind of probably got yeah. different uh, different take on things with stuff that they would share. Right. We're like, oh, I know you're not going <laughs> to like this one or yeah. anything like that. So, and as a mom, you can totally relate. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I have one child that will eat anything, and I have one that's a little bit pickier. <laughs> I always watch her show. I love one thing I, I've noticed about her is she cooks some things from scratch, and then other stuff she doesn't. I wrote down here an example that one of my family's favorite desserts Mm -hmm. involves a dessert that is Pillsbury Crescent Rolls and Sprite. Like, those are two things that are in it. And some fruit. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. My point is, she does have stuff that's all from scratch, and then she doesn't have... Yeah. And she has stuff that's not. And I really love that about her. That's not the same recipe, though. Yeah. It has crescent... Yeah. You take fruit, you Mm -hmm. wrap it in crescent rolls... Or, you know, you cut them up and you put them in a pan mm-hmm. and then you mix like butter and Sprite, something butter else, pour it in, <laughs> cook it. It's seriously That's one of our favorite desserts oh. and it's super hmm. quick. Mm-hmm. It's a very quick dessert hmm. and everybody always loves it. But on the flip side, she does cook a lot of stuff from scratch yeah. too because she lives miles oh, from yeah. the nearest town yeah. and that's really honestly how I cook. Some nights it's from scratch and sometimes it's not. Yeah. And I love that about yeah. her. So I counted how many cookbooks I have of hers. I think I, <laughs> I didn't write it down here, but I think I have seven cookbooks <laughs> from her. No judgment. I'm no not judgment. <laughs> I hope that her next cookbook is a little bit more empty nester specific mm, since she's mm-hmm. an empty nester. Right. I'm kind of hoping that her next cookbook is a two to four servings. Yeah. <laughs> for me. Right, right. I thought that would be a great idea. She usually puts out a cookbook every other year. Oh, okay. Her color scheme is really fun. Yes. Walmart's right by my work and I'll pop in there occasionally and like her plates and it's yeah. really fun, you know, bright, yes. vibrant colors that yes. I like. Yes, she does have that Walmart line. Another one of my favorite cookbooks that I have of hers, it's called A Year of Holidays. Oh, yes. And it's got great ideas for every holiday. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's even got leftover ideas after Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And one of our favorite things to do is you take a bunch of your leftovers from Thanksgiving and make paninis with them. <gasps> Yum. It's delicious. I, we just rediscovered paninis because it's probably been 15 years. since Right. We, 
at them. They're so easy. You know, you just put a little gravy on there. You can use your cranberries. Mm -hmm. Uh, It actually, I think, calls for Swiss cheese, but you could probably throw anything you want on there. Anything you have, yeah. But that's something we've enjoyed the last couple of years is to take those leftovers. Yeah. And make paninis with them. That's great. And they are delicious. So my other favorite of hers is her dinner time. She has a whole cookbook on mm-hmm. dinner time. Like fast dinners or? Yes. Oh, okay. Like there's different sections. But there's also really great ideas for, hey, cook this chicken in advance and use it these five ways. Oh, okay. Make, I've done this once before, make a hundred meatballs and use them in these five different <laughs> dinners or ideas. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know it's crazy. Meatballs, yeah. But, you know, I'd put like You lost me at the hundred meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's awesome because yeah. you freeze them. Right. And then she gives you like, hey, you can use it in this recipe, yeah. this recipe, yeah. and this recipe. Oh, that's brilliant. And that is really yeah. fun to do. And then she also gives great ideas in that book for sharing with people. Mm-hmm. Hey, if your neighbor's sick, these are five great and meals to so take And you're so great that. about doing that. And, so. and her cookbooks might inspire people to be more like that. Right. You know? Right. Um, there's freezer options in there, mm-hmm. too, which I really do enjoy yeah. as well. I do. That's my favorite. Um, yeah, you're like, better at that than me. <laughs> the well, I got to do that because I'm like, can you take this out? <laughs> I'm at class at night and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, she's got great ideas yeah. in there and I, I really love it. So yeah, there is some, and there's a whole section on crock pot. You know, she breaks them down by mm-hmm. if you've got this much time. She always has, in almost every cookbook, she has an option for 16-minute meals. Oh. That's always her 16-minute meals. 16. Not yes. 15, nope. not 17, not 20, not 20 but 16. 16. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to make one of those and I'm going to time it. Yes. Was she honest? (laughs) Was she real? (laughs) Honestly, when I need to take something somewhere, in fact, before we got on the air, uh, we were taught, Teresa and I were talking about how I always bring mummy dogs to your Halloween party. (laughs) Yes. And they're gone. Then they're gone. That idea came from that holidays cookbook. That's so funny. Because I don't That's, know if I would have thought of that on my yeah. own to bring to, like, a Halloween party. See, I am so. all over the holidays type of things, too. I yes. love different festive. Craig's laughing at me with all the gnomes because it was Christmas gnomes before. And right now it's Valentine Valentine's gnomes. And then soon it will be St. Patrick's Day gnomes. And then, what, Easter gnomes? I don't know. But Well, she um, also has for Halloween. I've always wanted to do it. It's so cool looking. It's called. She calls it, like, the platter of darkness. Mm. So she, she has a huge platter of all this dark colored food like uh-huh. oreos oh, it just looks yeah. really really cool so just fun that, ideas like yeah. that you might not think yeah. about but right like i said uh, recently i had to bring a salad somewhere and i immediately went to her cookbook thought about this salad that i had mm-hmm. seen that was simple but mm-hmm. delicious mm-hmm. and a lot of times i have this stuff at home that's even better which is awesome yeah so she also has a, a magazine that i subscribe to i only subscribe to two magazines and so one is one of it. Pioneer Woman, and what's the other one? Magnolia. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, but I do enjoy me. her cookbooks. Yeah. I mean, her magazine mm-hmm. as well. So, she lives in Pahuska, Oklahoma. Okay. She always says, like I said, in the middle of nowhere. She in the town of Pahuska. She also renovated a hundred-year-old mercantile. Oh, that's cool. It's beautiful. She left a lot of the original stuff mm-hmm. in there, which I love, like the brick walls. Mm-hmm. It's still a mercantile. So that's still what she did with yeah. it. Um, it's currently a, a still a mercantile, a bakery, and an event space oh, upstairs. Cool. So she's had See, baby See, now I want to go to Oklahoma and just check that out. Same. 
Is there a zoo um, around in Oklahoma? Because that's the other thing I like to go see. Oh. Zoos. I'm sure there's something there. Well, no, but she also <laughs> transformed other buildings to a pizza place and an ice cream shop. Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> I don't know if that's the same as zoo. I, I've just, I've really enjoyed her. I also mm-hmm. find her just a very positive yeah. person. Somebody once told me about Ree. I don't watch her. She's too happy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's exactly why I yeah. watch Ree. Yeah. Uh, I like happy. I don't feel yeah. like she's fake happy. Right. She's had challenges like the rest of us. I think you can like the tell the difference. You yes. can tell when somebody's yes. not sincere. And and she'll joke about it, too, about, mm-hmm. you know, eating things. Yeah. And, well, the mere fact know. that she's so honest about being a vegetarian turned cattle rancher wife. wife. Yeah. yeah. I think <laughs> yes. that's funny. That's real life. It is. You know? And she talks about just the... In one of her first cookbooks, she talks about having her baby so close together and how hard it was to learn how to really be responsible for another human being, (laughs) which I think we've all felt before. I felt like that was a great way to say it, like on being responsible for another life. Yeah. Right, and how she just kept on eating Krispy Kreme donuts. Like, couldn't really, she was so hungry. Yeah. Yeah, you are, and tired. Yeah, and that's kind of how she felt. She's these two tiny children and just kept eating Krispy Kreme donuts every time somebody brought her food. So people can relate to her. Right. So, um... I encourage you to look her up if you want to just have some yeah, fun. Yeah, no, I'm so curious. See some delicious food. You can find Rhea on her blog at thepioneerwoman.com, on Instagram at thepioneerwoman. And also, if you're interested in seeing that beautiful mercantile, it's pwmercantile.com. And it probably has an Instagram page. The mercantile does? That does, sorry, yes. That okay. is the Instagram the page. Oh, okay. pwmercantile.com. Oh, very cool. I'm going to check that out tonight. Yes. yes. I love old stuff like that. Yes. So it's kind of funny that I'm not a little bit more into the whole space thing since mm-hmm. I love anything Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, the exception and of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you're not Star Trek. No, um, there was a guy at the club who was super into Star Wars and space exploration, and he talked me into reading this book on like the Apollo Eleven mission. Oh. And it was it was interesting. Yes, it took me quite a while to get through because it was not my typical. But did you love Apollo thirteen though? The movie? It's been forever since I've seen mm. it, and it was so long. Was it? It was a really long movie. Mm. Yeah, I have a hard time with long movies. That's why I haven't seen Avatar, the new Avatar yet. I haven't either. I'm going to wait until... Yeah, I never saw the first one. The first one was really good. <laughs> it was really good. So I'm excited to see it, but I just need it at home where I can watch it in pieces. Yes. This book was on the Apollo 11 mission, and it was really interesting, but more so because it talked about the astronauts' families and stuff. Oh, yeah. I wasn't as interested in the whole space thing yep. so and how many space books i've read since then a big fat zero you know that's what i liked about the challenger series that they had mm-hmm. on netflix mm-hmm. i don't know if you ever watched I haven't that seen it yet. no it's excellent and you really get to know the families behind mm-hmm. it which makes it hard Even harder yeah. but i loved hearing about yeah. the family yeah. so i can relate to yeah. that, that that would be interesting to me too well and after we chatted i listened to the audiobook of hidden figures since I knew we'd be discussing wow, this. that was quick. Good for you. Well, it's only 11 hours. Okay. By the time I drive to work. And yeah, so even though I think the movie was out in like 2016, I just hadn't gotten around to it because right. I knew it would anger me. Right. 
or I thought it would, and I was right. But it also sparked an interest in learning more about the ladies that yes. it was about. They're amazing. Oh my gosh, totally. And just the behind the scenes of what, you know, the astronauts got all the attention and yes. all the glory and all these people behind the scenes, you didn't even hear about them. Right. And it was such an urgency since we were in that race against, yes. you know, the USSR yes. to get to the moon. Yes. So first off, I will say that Colleen is absolutely right. The movie Hidden Figures is a must Watch see. it. Yes. It was so well done and it got me curious about just how accurate the story was. Mm. Even more so, I wanted to learn a little bit more about these brainy trailblazers. So Katherine Johnson, the main one, mm-hmm. was the youngest of four children. Her mom was a teacher, so... Probably had some brains in the family. Yes. Um, Her father did what he could just to make sure that their kids got an education and he earned money doing, you know, hand. he was a handyman, he was a farmer, a lumberman, and he even worked at the Greenbrier Hotel. The Johnsons believed so strongly in getting their kids an education that they were willing to split their time between towns, two different towns, because in Greenbrier County, they didn't offer public schools to African-American kids past the eighth grade. So this family had to split their time up between Institute and White Sulphur Springs, which both names of those towns. I'm like, Institute or White Sulphur Springs? Also, this just blows my mind still to this day. It does. About that there was no option past eighth grade. Eighth grade. I I know. I know it. It does just yes. It's crazy. I can't even. That's think why of I don't believe. I mean, it's just it. unbelievable. Yes, but it was evident, like in the movie, that Catherine was very gifted at an early age. She entered high school on the campus of West Virginia College at ten. She graduated by fourteen. She moved on to college courses and took every math class they offered at the university. And even in the movie, it was true mm-hmm. that they created math courses for her because she was so advanced that she needed that. That is just amazing to me. I, I'm I just can't so, even imagine. I, I can't either. Can't relate. <laughs> no. I mean, I kind of can because my dad is like that with it's math. Super, yeah. He has uh, a master's or yeah. I'm trying to think of even in math and economics. Yeah. And he would read math oh. books for fun when I was growing oh, up. See, that's, that, <laughs> that should be illegal. That's just uh, yeah. crazy. Yes. Yes. Um, she graduated summa cum laude in 1937 with degrees in math and French, which I thought that was, and, and the movie did, I think, it noted that, at least in math. Did they? Oh, math. Yes. I didn't know about the um, French. And like I said, she was only 18. Yeah, but French, I thought, was an interesting... Yes. But anyway. Might have been just a hobby yeah. or an interest for yeah. her. True, true. 1937, though, it just was pretty amazing to me. Yes. Um, she'd later go on to graduate school at West Virginia University, and she'd become one of three African-American students and the only woman selected to integrate the graduate school. Now, this was only after a 1938 U.S. Supreme Court ruling, Missouri versus Gaines, Canada or something, that basically stated the state had to offer the same higher education to black students, either with integration or building a separate school for those kids. I just, Imagine having to go to court to I know. get that done. I just, I can't I, I, for just, learning. And Catherine wanted to be a research mathematician, but... As you can imagine, it was a difficult field to enter. Just like in the movie, she was at a family gathering that she heard about NACA hiring a mathematician, and that was the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. Just like in the film, she got a job 
in a pool of women making math calculations, Mm -hmm. which that sounds just miserable in itself. But um, the job description alone is rough for me. They collected data from planes, you know, the black boxes on planes, and then they'd carry out other very precise mathematical tasks. Although, and I don't know if, if it was like this in real life, but I loved in the movie how they were very tight group Group. of women that really I think supported each other and looked out for each other and were proud of each other's accomplishments the book made it sound like that they really stuck together and I love that with women supporting other women Mm -hmm. and being excited for them so and I remember also in the movie that she basically said it's not going to just be me we've got to find something for all the ladies the Dorothy Vaughn yes who comes up yeah Oh, okay. yes, that was Dorothy. She, yes, okay. that was Dorothy. Okay. okay. Um, also, like in the movie, she wasn't invited to any of the meetings because, you know, she was a female and she was right. a black female at that. But she was assertive and argued that she did the work and she belonged there. Mm-hmm. And her male bosses, you know, immediately knew she was smart enough to belong there. They were impressed with her analytical geometry and she, without question, belonged. Mm-hmm. What impressed me so much about Catherine, besides her braininess, mm-hmm. her confidence and determination, of course, but I loved that her she had such laser focus. Mm-hmm. It was at a time, without question, there was a rampant racism, mm-hmm. segregation, and while she knew it existed, she didn't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. She had one focus, whatever that math equation she was solving at the moment. She said in an interview to WHRO-TV that... She didn't feel segregation at NASA because everybody there was doing research. You had a mission and you worked on it and it was important to you to you to do your best job and play bridge at lunch. I didn't feel <laughs> that's cute. I didn't feel any segregation. I knew it was there, but I didn't feel it. Um when NASA took over the NACA in 1958, mm, they ended the colored computing pool. Okay. So, but still discrimination was everywhere, but I love that Catherine, she dealt with the math equations. Mm-hmm. She knew the other was going on, mm-hmm. but she was solving what she needed she to do. She wasn't dwelling on that. No. No. And now the movie shows, it, is, is, it, is it true that her husband did pass away? Yes. Okay. Um, okay. She had uh, the inoperable brain tumor. He had? Yeah. Yeah, he did. She did remarry. Okay. Just like in the movie. But, okay. So that was accurate as well, too. I love it. She also would say we needed to be assertive as women in that days, assertive and aggressive. And just like in the movie, it was true that women weren't allowed to have their names on those reports. Remember how she was typing stuff and they got mad? So it eventually happened for Catherine, but for a different reason. She'd been working on this project with a man who he wanted to transfer to Houston, and their supervisor wouldn't let him transfer until they finished this particular Project. project and the guy just wanted to leave and he ended up saying that Catherine should finish the report she's done most of the work anyway and so wow. that was his response and that's you know Working her name on got the calendar. on the report that is yeah. a nice compliment I'm sure at the time for her too, exactly for him to say that out yeah. loud to their boss yeah. right she'd go on to author 26 scientific papers after that so her name did get on more Good. But I was also curious about the scene with John Glenn. The computers mm-hmm. had calculated the numbers for his Friendship 7 mission, mm-hmm. but he requested the girl check the calculations. At the time, we had a you know, segregated South. They were impressed with the astronauts. They revered these astronauts, not realizing that women were helping make the calculations. Right. And that black women at that were helping get them to space. 
She rechecked the calculations as he requested, and he became the first American to orbit the Earth. She worked on too many projects to list. Like I said, it would just go on and on. But I love that her goal wasn't so much to get the men into space, but she would say it was to make sure to get the man back to Earth. Yes. So she wanted to make sure the men got back. Safely. I think it's adorable, too, that she was a member of the Carver Memorial Presbyterian Church for 50 years. She sang in their choir. I love which it. I think is so adorable. many talents. Yes. I love that she spent her later years encouraging students to enter fields of science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, she, along with 17 other Americans, were honored with the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Obama. So it's no wonder when she passed away at 101 that NASA's administrator at the time said that she, you know, was a pioneering legacy that will never be forgotten. So as you noted about Dorothy Vaughn, she was another protagonist in the movie. Mm -hmm. And she also had a 28-year career as a mathematician and programmer at the Langley Research Center that began. She started in 1943. In 1949, she became the first acting supervisor in the movie. She was their supervisor of the West Area Computers. It was so weird to me that they call them computers. It just... Yes. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's just so odd because we think of computers as, you know, what we type on. Electronic. Yeah, exactly. And that these were... Women. Yeah, mostly. Brilliant. Yes. Women. Crazy brilliant women just that could do the work of yes, exactly. our computers. <laughs> um, and Vaughn was later officially appointed to the position, as was evident in the movie. She led so many ladies of color at both NACA and then when it later became NASA. Vaughn was born in Missouri in 1910. Um, her family had moved to West Virginia and she graduated high school with a full scholarship to Wilberforce University. At 19, she graduated. With a bachelor's in math. That's not surprising. No. And her professors wanted her to continue her studies with graduate work at Howard University, but with a Great Depression, you know, obviously with her age, with a Great Depression, right. she wanted to help her family. Right. I thought it was so interesting. The book did go into this to make sure that we were using all of our resources for World War II. In 1952, FDR issued Executive Order 8802, which basically desegregated the defense industry. The country believed war was going to be won in the air, and they wanted to use all the mines that could possibly make that happen, regardless of... As they should. Yes, I know. Again, why did it have to have something that they signed off on? And why did it have to be a war that would just make them see the common sense? Right. After the war, the emphasis shifted to the space program, and in 1961, Vaughn moved to the electronic computing area. Fortunately, as you noted, she knew that the electronics were coming. Mm -hmm. So she made sure this shift to the actual computers coming, she taught the women underneath her the programming language and the concepts for that transition. I love that Vaughn would say in an interview that she felt they were on the cutting edge of something very exciting in the race to space. I also admire that she was always looking ahead Mm -hmm. and thinking of her employees. Kind of like you said. If if you guys see the movie especially probably younger people, you'll be shocked to see that the computer that was brought to NASA <laughs> oh took up the whole room Yeah, that she ended Easily. up yeah. learning to yeah. use and and everything else. And kind of got in trouble for being in there because right. she was black. How and dare a woman. you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although nobody was really in there. I don't know if that was true, but I think it, it overwhelmed people. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and she took the time to go in there and, and learn figure stuff. it out. Yeah. Yep. And I think that was actually accurate Brilliant. because 
Um, you know, who knows how many ladies would have been left behind if she hadn't prepared them for that shift in technology. She would say, I changed what I could and what I couldn't, I endured. And I just talk about admirable. I love that. Mm -hmm. Me too. She did her job and her, you know, what she could to her part to help the country win the war and win the race to get a man on the moon, despite the fact that she'd often have to work harder just to prove herself so that she could do that very work. That's crazy. But prove herself she did. And she raised six kids to boot. Wow. One of them also would later work at NASA, Lingley area. They don't really show that in the movie. The background of her. No. Six children. And I got the impression too, that these ladies worked long hours. Oh, very long. Very yes. long, especially when we were war years, when they were, the place was open 24-7. Right. So, right. yeah, it was not, not like today's right. 95. She would spend her retire years participating in the music in her church, too. I love um, it. The African Methodist Episcopal Church, as well as missionary activities. And she definitely was a solid role model for the girls of her time and women, people of today, Right. She would put her head down, got the work done, don't waste too much time on other garbage, focus on what you can do to make a difference, and let mm-hmm. the rest go. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think love is, that, too. It reminds me, like, endured gracefully. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about, mm-hmm. I just endured, but mm-hmm. not just endured, yeah. endured gracefully. Yeah. I, I, I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I like that I a think lot. you can endure and not be happy about it. Oh, yeah. And let everybody know that. Correct. I mean, Right. Have and a chip I, on your shoulder. Right. And it sounds yes. like she just endured this yeah. gracefully. Yes. yes. Mary Jackson was the third protagonist in the Hidden Figures book and on the film. And she was an American mathematician, an aerospace engineer at NACA, later NASA. She actually was NASA's first black female engineer. And the movie accurately depicted her challenges getting to that wow. engineering degree. Yes. It was true. She so, had to go to a judge, if you yes. haven't seen the movie, to get permission to go to school. To, and and he basically said, and sit in the back. Do you yeah, remember yeah. that? He said, you can go. Yeah. But please sit in the back. And I don't think she could, you know, asking quite Yeah. It just craziness to me. In the movie, if you haven't seen it, the teacher says, well, I don't know how to teach women or something to that effect. <laughs> she said, well, I suppose it's the same way you would teach man. <laughs> just remember I kind of chuckling women. to yes, myself. Yes. Well, she graduated with the highest honors. 1942, she graduated from Hampton University with a BA in mathematics and physical science. Hmm. Um, She tutored high school and college students. She worked as a bookkeeper and a receptionist and a clerk at the Hampton Institute's health department. I think they did whatever they could Mm -hmm. because jobs weren't readily available for Mm -hmm. women, especially Mm -hmm. of color. Yes. In 1951, she became a clerk at the office of the Chief Army Field Forces at Fort Monroe. And the same year, she was recruited by NACA and later NASA. She started as a computer research mathematician, as we said, with Dorothy Vaughn as her supervisor. So that was accurate in the movie. Okay. In 1953, she was offered a position to work for an engineer, Casimir's Sarnecki which he was in the movie too. Mm. He was in the supersonic pressure tunnel. Um, He wanted her to work for him in the supersonic pressure tunnel, and she accepted the offer. This was like a four-by-four-foot wind tunnel that they used to study forces on models. Okay. So they would create winds almost twice the speed of sound. Okay. I guess they'd make these models so that they could get ready 
Sure. It was Zarnecki who encouraged Jackson to go back to school to get the necessary training to become an engineer. So I love that he was so supportive. She needed to take graduate level courses, as we said, in math and physics in order to be eligible to even apply. So that evening program was available at the University of Virginia, but the classes were held at Hampton High School, which right all white high school. Right. So just like in the movie, she petitioned the city of Hampton, and like you said, she was granted permission. So in 1958, she became NASA's first black female engineer. She worked to understand airflow, including, you know, all sorts of things I don't understand, but thrust and drag force in order to improve our planes and was involved in several divisions throughout NASA, eventually co-authoring 12 papers. So I admire the brains this woman had, but even more so, I admire her dedication. She married her husband, Levi, in 1944. He was a U.S. Navy sailor. And she was with him until his death. I did the basic math, so they were together 48 years. That's math I can do. (laughs) So they were together a long time. Yes. On top of that, she was a Girl Scout leader for more than 30 years. Wow. She also helped children in her community make their own miniature wind tunnel to help spark young minds, you know, get them interested in science. Okay. So possibly the most admirable thing was when she chose to take a demotion in 1979 she had attained the most senior title in the engineering department because she was you know a woman she couldn't go any further basically she stepped away to serve as an administrator in the equal opportunity specialist field where she would work for change and highlight women and other minorities who were successful in their fields working to help them advance their careers and even help them study in order to qualify for promotions. The women had to help each other do this? Yes. Yes. Crazy. Yes. But I love that she went and did that. Yes. Because she had been through that process. Oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. she was amazing at that yeah. job, too. Oh, I'm sure she was. Like, I'm sure These she are was. the hoops that you have to jump yes. through yeah. to get to And here. she knew. Yes. She knew. I loved both the accuracy of the film. And for the most part, it was accurate. But it was incredibly frustrating at the same time. Yes. And these were just three women. There were so many more. Annie Easley was another woman who joined NASA in 1955, and she would go on to write computer code for the Centaur rocket stage. I guess that was dubbed America's workhorse Hmm. in space. Okay. The Centaur has been used in more than 220 launches, and Easley's codes were the basis for military weather and communication satellites later on. Codes... I've never heard of this woman. No. Never and I heard just of this can't woman. even wrap my head around the calculation. You know, I know. Required for these things. I have a hard time just even reading what it is. The movie. Yes. That, I know. Watching them predict where somebody was going to land and when and well, how and, and where. And when she was like, just tell me where he needs to be and I'll figure and I'll the trajectory. Make it happen. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yes. Headache. It gives me a headache. Yes. Even with all of her contributions to the company, she was denied educational benefits that NASA provided other employees, which is super frustrating. Yes. When she asked her supervisor about accessing some of those benefits and taking classes at a local community college, her supervisor said that they were only offered for the professionals at NASA. So easily was... Senior (laughs) engineer. I'm just like... Correct? Oh, no, that was Anne um, this Easley. Was, yeah, this was okay. this Anne Easley. So um, she was also denied paid leave that another policy that NASA offered employees that they got to take advantage of. But when she went to classes, she not only had to pay for her own classes, but she had to take the time off. I guess the court had to fix that for, too. Yes, for to those ladies. Fair. The same. Yeah, I know. That's just crazy. because of your gender. Crazy is right. But yes. she got her bachelor's in math. 
There was also a woman named Catherine Pedro who graduated in 1943 with a degree in chemistry, and she was hired by NACA working there until she retired in 1986. She herself had her share of gender and racial discrimination when she wanted to join a research team with one of her college professors who was studying quinine-incited deafness in New Guinea, I guess related to malaria oh, over there. okay. But because they didn't have a plan to house women separately from men, she was denied. You know, and only perpetuated only men being involved in the research. Also, how hard would it have been to come up with a simple plan? I know. I know. If she was going to be there studying anyway, I'm sure she didn't expect to be no. staying Tampered. at the Ritz. No. She would go and read a job listing on a NACA bulletin for a job in their chemistry division, and she was hired until the administrators found out she was black. So then they rescinded their offer and they sent her to the segregated section to be a human computer. So at least she still had a job, I guess. But I guess. But still, she should have had the job she had been hired for. Well, and she has a degree in I know. chemistry. I know. This makes perfect I know. sense. I know. But Christine Darden was another woman who found herself in the human computer role after applying for an engineer position at NASA in the late 60s. Darden had a master's in engineering and was qualified except for the color of her skin and maybe her gender. Either way, she didn't just accept it. She was fully cognizant that she could do the job. She confronted her supervisor and was transferred to an engineering position in 1973. By 1983, she had a doctorate, and in 1989, she was appointed to one of the first of the, of an, you know, she had a number of management and leadership roles in NASA, yeah. but finally in 1989, she had one. Her work on the science of sonic booms made advances on sonic boom minimization and wrote more than 50 scholarly articles on the subject. By 1999, she was a director in the program management office of the Aerospace Performing Center. But so frustrating that she had to, like, scratch and crawl and fight right. her way. It makes me think, too, hey, if you don't really think I can do this, why don't we take 90 <laughs> yes, days yes. and yeah. see if I can yeah, actually do this? Exactly. Give me a chance. Yeah, I know. Even. I know. But they just wouldn't. They wouldn't even take a chance. No. But the best story that I read was Miriam Mann. She was hired by NECA in 1943 with a chemistry degree again and a minor in mathematics. And like I said, at the time, the facility was operating because of the war, operating 24 hours a day. So they had shifts from 7 to 4, 3 to 11, and 11 to 7, Okay, which was challenging for families. Absolutely. I mean, particularly this area, it was normal for the mom to stay home. Yep. And... Um, stay home with their kids her I daughter think, yeah i think that was just normal in general yeah in general yeah, yeah right yeah her daughter talked about seeing her mom with her number two pencil and a slide ruler plotting graphs logs doing equations and speaking at times in what sounded like a foreign language <laughs> yes <laughs> so i can relate to I, that part. i can too with my dad yes her calculations though were part of what helped get john glenn to the moon the best part though is when man saw this colored sign at the back of, um, in the cafeteria, they had their table and it had, it was labeled colored. So she grabbed the sign and she stuck it in her purse. <laughs> so the next day, another one appears. She does it again. She does it again. And she finds does, a garbage can. Yeah, she just kept doing it until the signs stopped appearing. I love it. I know. How awesome. A little passive aggressive, but I still love it. <laughs> still. The girl after my own heart. Yes. I wish more things were that yes. easy to just keep taking the sign. And <laughs> but, I have to thank Colleen for the suggestion. You were so right. I love the movie. 
Need to text my mom that it's on Disney Plus right now. Good to know. The book was equally good. I feel like I'm a pretty tough cookie, but hearing how these women, you know, the things they had to endure made me realize that I am so not. I'm grateful, though, that they were such trailblazers, mm-hmm. forging a path for the ladies that came up behind them. Mm-hmm. Makes me appreciate John Glenn even more. I too. hope he was. They portrayed him in the movie as very sweet. Yeah. And I hope that was the case, too. I, I mean, so I too. love how yeah. he wanted her to do his calculations yeah. and trusted her. Yeah. But in the movie, he was also very yeah. respectful and very Of all of kind. those women. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I really love that. Well, and it I made hope. me want to do an episode on Jungle okay. Just for that very reason. Okay. Because I am so curious about yes. it. And not only that he was brave enough to get strapped onto this rocket Jeez. and face the unknown, but that he trusted a black computer that so few people even knew about. Right. I mean, he was trusting his life right, for that. So, And while I learned so much about the space history and probably read more technical jargon than I have <laughs> ever read, I still don't have that excitement about space <laughs> that so many others have. I love my Star Wars, but it'll probably be a while before I venture back to reading about space right. and all that. I appreciate the people who were smart enough and patient Enough. Brave. Yeah, well, absolutely. I'm extremely grateful we've made some progress here on Earth, too. All these ladies reminded me of the importance to reach for the stars, whatever it might be. Right. And never, ever give I, up on your dreams. I think reaching for the stars can be different from for each person. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I could never, you know. No. I could never work at no. NASA. No, no matter how hard, if I wanted no. to, no. But right. I think they taught us, each of us, to reach for our own dream. Mm-hmm. And endure gracefully. Yes, exactly. I love that. Everything was so new. The whole idea of going into space was new and daring. There were no textbooks, so we had to write them. Katherine Johnson. You know, I had my nephew over a couple weeks ago to spend the night. And I bought a puzzle for us to do, and I picked out some Valentine's cookies Aww, to make. Fun. I had all this Was stuff. this your oldest? The middle guy my my brother's middle son, son walker yes yes so i had some very strong competition he wasn't interested in my, <laughs> my things knowing he was coming over i checked out a few pokemon books from the library which i okay. knew they were into pokemon okay and all he wanted to do was sit down and go through the books he was telling me which pokemon he had which ones he had traded which ones he liked he was asking which ones i had which <laughs> no so i had it's just pretty amazing that Pokemon has lasted so long because my boys love them. I know nothing about Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. I know pretty much nothing about Pokemon. Okay. Well, you still got um, me beat. I, I, I know a couple characters, and my boys loved them back in the day. My oldest loved to dress up as Ash Ketchum, okay. and my middle guy loved to jump off things yelling, Pikachu! <laughs> Scary. He, he loved that until he broke his arm doing it, jumping from the hearth in front of our fireplace. And as my nephew demonstrated, kids are still really into these characters. So I was really impressed when I read this story about an eight-year-old boy from Southwest Virginia. He sold his Pokemon cards to pay for a vet bill to save his puppy from Parvo. 
So with all the attention, Bryson's mom set up this GoFundMe with an $800 goal, and people around the world wanted to help the pup. The GoFundMe raised more than $5,000, and that wasn't all. The story reached some Pokemon employees who must be up in, like, the Tacoma, Seattle area. Oh, okay. So our neck of the woods, kind of. Yes. But anyway, they sent them a letter of appreciation and some replacement cards, including some rare ones. That is so sweet. I know, that are hard to find. Um, the best part of the story is that the extra money that was raised, you know, because they had only asked for eight hundred. Sure, um, they'll go to other to help other sick pets Fantastic. in Southwest Virginia. So such a feel good. Yes. Speaking of GoFundMe's, this story ends with one too. So the hurricane force winds and the thirty-two trillion gallons of water that were dumped on the state of California in January kept you know residents inside. Yes. Residents, including a one-year-old dog, Australian Shepherd named Seamus. He was so excited to get back out that he decided to take off on his own. So <laughs> Brill, on a little vacation. <laughs> yes. Brill, his owner, was fiddling with the leashes, and she lost grip of Seamus. I can, I can so relate to this. <laughs> yes. And he took full advantage of it. He darted in front, wiggled oh. himself through a hole in a fence, and worked his way down the slope and into a concrete basin that was normally dry, but because of all the water, yes. you know, it had this, it was a big raging mess, and it swept Seamus away in the current. She used her Find Me, or Find My app, because she added on his collar. She was racing to the location while calling She's 911. so lucky she had, oh. <laughs> no, absolutely. Calling so she's calling 9-1-1. She's got the other dog. I think the other dog was named Topaz or something. But she's got the other dog. And she's calling 9-1-1. So the owner didn't know that Seamus had escaped the swift current and crawled into a dry drain pipe. Okay. This homeless man was nearby. He heard the barkings. He spotted Seamus in the drain pipe. And he was like 10 feet from a bike path underneath the crate. Brill and her husband and the firefighters, because oh. um, were able to find and free Seamus. And it was mostly thanks to the you know, GPS on the app and the sure. firefighters, obviously, which was inspiring itself. But the story gets so much better. Because of Seamus, Brill met Daryl Smith, the homeless man who was nearby. Okay. And he took one look at Brill, gave her a big bear hug. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> no. Um, probably needed after that whole, de- yes. whole ordeal. And yes. Brill just asked if there was anything she might be able to do for him to help him for this stormy winter. Repay his kindness. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. So she headed to Costco, got his camp, four queen-size fleece blankets, 20 pair of socks, some sweatshirts, undershirts, and non-perishable foods, some trail mix, granola bars. Then she made him a homemade lasagna. So they would Delicious. have a, a hot meal, probably. Reed Drummond has a recipe she for does. a good lasagna. She does. So she, she took that to them, and she started a GoFundMe with a $10,000 goal. I think they have already met it, but in order to get Smith housing, he hadn't had a house in like seven years. So she's working with several agencies to make sure the money's, you know, best put to use mm-hmm. and any extra will go to others experiencing homeless too. But mm-hmm. I just love that Brill wanted to do something for him because he saw him as helping, you know, save his her family member. Yes. And I just think it is such a feel good. All these people just helping each other. Yes. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. 
Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Harriet Tubman. Please rate and review us. This helps other people find our podcast and be just as inspired as you. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.